Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. I hope you had an excellent Thanksgiving. The day in Ghana, notice I didn't call it a holiday because it's not here for what should be obvious reasons, is coming to an end. I'm recording this at 1140 on Thursday. I had an excellent Thanksgiving. You know that the travelers, the season world travelers from the first group are, are here in Ghana now. And we had an epic Thanksgiving celebration. There's this group in Accra called Men Cook Ghana. And they made an amazing meal for us today. Turkey's not really a gunyan thing. Neither is mac and cheese. But the guys made both for us today. We had an amazing spread in an amazing location. We had this really gorgeous garden. The decor was just out of this world. It exceeded all my expectations. I was so, so happy. And the group was very happy as well. So like we ate, we drank, we danced. The gentleman who served us dinner also entertained us with some dancing. There was what we at home would call a conga line, but there's another name for it here. Also, you'd be pleased to know that black people love line dancing worldwide. We may actually get it from Africa. There's a dance that looks like the electric slide that is not the electric slide, but it's very, very similar. 
It's been a really, really good day. Tomorrow we go to the last bath. I think I told you about that before. It's, it's the river where captured Africans that were headed to Cape Coast Dungeon would have bathed in the river before they were taken to literally a dungeon to be held for three months. So it's supposed to be a very intense emotional experience. I've intentionally not gone to this site because it's something that I wanted to experience with the travelers. I wanted to have a first with them. And I've seen the dungeons at Cape Coast at least three times prior. But tomorrow is going to be a very emotional day. A couple housekeeping things. Last episode, we were talking about Tiffany Cross and we talked about someone by the name of Alex Witt, who the New York Post and they you know, provided links to the numbers, said that Alex Witt's MSNBC weekend show was actually higher ranked than Tiffany Cross's, contrary to what Tiffany had said in her very classy post NBC open letter. My friend David, Dr. David Johns, hit me pretty immediately after the episode went out. He's a political junkie. I think he used to work in the Obama White House, now that I think about it. But he clearly watches MSNBC because he hit me and was like, sis, Alex Witt is a woman. And I was like, oh, shit. Never my intention to misgender anyone. I, I really just saw the name Alex and assumed she was a man. And I shouldn't have assumed that. I should have looked it up. So Alex Witt, I'm very sorry for misgendering you. It was not my intention. And to my listeners, my bad. I'll be a little more careful. I'll be a little more careful and a little more thorough going forward because I was really embarrassed about that one. I was like, I told y'all I didn't watch MSNBC, but I really should have looked up Alex Witt's show. My bad. We do have really good black news this week. I read an update on, what's the young lady's last name? Her first name is Shanquella. Shanquella Robinson, the young woman who was killed allegedly, seemingly allegedly, by her friends in Mexico. She and her friends went down to Cabo. We talked about this on a previous episode, and this is like a viral story. I think that you probably heard the details of it. But I read earlier today that there's been an arrest warrant issued. It's only for one person. I believe it's the woman who was seen in video fighting Shanquella. I read the article on ABC News and they didn't release the woman's name. But it sounded to me like the woman is on the run. They issued this warrant and Interpol is involved. So I was like, where is this woman? Clearly they don't know. Just to give you some details, and I'm reading this on ABC, there is an arrest warrant issued for the crime of femicide to the detriment of the victim and against an alleged perpetrator, a friend of her who is the direct aggressor. We are carrying out the pertinent procedures, such as the Interpol alert and the request for extradition to the United States of America. This is the local prosecutor for the state of Baja, California, sir. So, i.e. Mexico. This incident took place in Cabo, so that makes sense. It sounds like this woman, I'm assuming it's the woman on the video. Let me say person, since they don't say who it is. When they talked to Shanquella's mother, she said, quote, I feel so good. That's what we have been waiting for, for someone to finally be held accountable and arrested. I just can't wait for justice to be served. I read a little further in this article, and it has a whole bunch of new details about this case. I'm just going to go ahead and quote this. Mexican authorities revealed that Robinson may have been alive and received care from a medical professional for several hours before authorities arrived and she was pronounced dead. 
The medical professional at the scene allegedly told Robinson's friends that she was drunk, dehydrated, and they should take her to a hospital. However, they declined to do so, according to authorities. This is from a new police report. This new report differs significantly. This is still ABC that I'm reading from. The new report differs significantly from the original autopsy report obtained by ABC News. The autopsy report said that medical professionals arrived at Robinson's villa at 3 p.m. and she was declared dead within 15 minutes. The autopsy said she died from severe spinal cord injury and a dislocated neck. I don't understand how you get a new police report. I'm I'm so confused by this case. I guess we just got to wait for the FBI to like exactly explain what happened because none of it makes any sense. I don't understand how you get a police report that says she's drunk and an autopsy report that says she's got these spinal injuries. And then you get like there's one police report and now there's a new police report. They didn't know that this other doctor had come to the house first. And then these folks had a doctor come to the house. The doctor said, take her to a hospital and they didn't. Who needs enemies? Jesus. I feel so bad for this girl's family. I really do. But at least the arrest warrant and Interpol involvement gives a little hope for a really horrid story. Yikes. We need some more upbeat news because that was just terrible. Let's start with a cute story. Trevor Noah. We talked about Trevor Noah when he abruptly announced that he was leaving The Daily Show and everybody was like, what the fuck? Because apparently he told no one, no one, not his representatives, not the heads of network. There was a story circulating, which was true, that he had had dinner with the head of Comedy Central the day before he quit. And many people, self-included, speculated what happened at that dinner. What y'all say to that man that he was so mad that the next day he went on air and was just like, I'm done, I'm out, goodbye, after seven years. So I said at the time, because the Hollywood Reporter did that really great story on the demise of the Wendy Williams show. I said, let's get the Hollywood Reporter on it. The Hollywood Reporter will go and dig and figure out what happened. And they did. Thank you, Nikessa. They've been on it over there. But the Hollywood Reporter did this really great story on Trevor Noah, cover story. And they got to the nitty gritty, most of it, at least what Trevor would answer about what happened to lead him to leave Comedy Central and The Daily Show specifically after seven years. Trevor kept it mostly cute. It's very clear to me just because of the way it happened that something happened. The bit that was circulating about how everyone was completely blindsided, utterly and completely true. On the day he announced, Trevor Noah had asked the producers for a few extra minutes during the night's program. He said he wanted to thank his audience for sticking with him, which the producers okayed. And they told him, you know, just keep it brief because there was a lot to get through that evening. The Hollywood Reporter says he whipped through the day's headlines and a remote segment. Then with guest Iman waiting backstage, poor Iman. She was just showing up to give a nice little interview and walked into chaos and said with Iman waiting backstage, Noah leaned into the camera. There was nothing in the teleprompter. A script he reasoned didn't feel right for the moment. Before we go to commercial, Noah began. He finished with my time is up. The Hollywood Reporter continues. They said if you listen closely to the telecast that aired a few hours later, you can hear the audible gasp from the studio audience and the Daily Show crew. 
The Hollywood Reporter talked to the showrunner for The Daily Show. She recounts the moment hearing that, that Trevor just quit. She said, he starts talking and talking. And I look at the supervising producer and I say, what is he doing? We're going to have to edit this. And then soon they realized what was happening. She says, we both, quote, lost all feeling in our bodies. Did you know? The supervising producer whispered to her. She replied, does it look like I knew? I said four minutes and 40 seconds later, Noah was done. The producers walked over to his desk as they'd done every break for years. Again, I'm reading from The Hollywood Reporter. They said, but with 200 strangers in the audience, they knew they wouldn't have a moment of sincerity. She said that Trevor couldn't even look at her. He said, I'm sorry. And they said, let's finish taping. Let's get all these people out of here and then we'll talk. The Hollywood Reporter also notes Noah's representatives, most of whom were en route to Toronto, where he'd be filming a Netflix special the following night. They were just finding out as well. Trevor explains to The Hollywood Reporter, he says, quote, part of the reason I did it that way is because I didn't want anybody to be the person that tells somebody else who then tells somebody else who then tells somebody else. He said he did it on The Daily Show because he said this is where we create the thing. The show is where we're together, our space. And so for me, it felt like the most natural way to tell everybody at the same time. What? So after they got the studio audience out, Trevor gathered the staff. This is the showrunner relaying what happened. She said Trevor apologized to everybody. They said after that, there wasn't much more to say. Trevor told us at the time, he was like, you know, we'll figure out the dates. Like today is not the last day. Like I'm not just like out as of today. Um, they decided on December 8th, which is only a few weeks from now. He said he's going off to, to see some world. He's going to do, I want to say it's a 30 city comedy tour that starts in January. I think that's the first thing. He's got his own production company. He's got a ton of projects in the works. I don't know if there's anything that's necessarily solid that's announceable other than the tour right now, but the tour is enough. It's not like he's going to be looking for work or starving. What else is in this article? Oh, they did talk about the, the lunch that he had with the, um, it wasn't just the Comedy Central executives. They were the executives from Paramount. They would be HNICs that they were black, but neither of them are, I believe. So he says it's the same story that came out previously where he talked about his desire to scale back the Daily Show. This is the head of Paramount. He says, we were problem solving around how to make it happen. He said they were trying to figure out how to give Trevor more flexibility. This is what the head of Paramount says. He was there with the chief operating officer. And he said, as we were walking back to the office after lunch, I said to him, we lost him. He's like, I obviously didn't know he'd be making the announcement the next day, but I knew our time was short. THR asked Trevor for his perspective on the lunch and he refused to discuss it. He says, quote, I'd never speak about a private meeting because then I would have had a public meeting. Okay. So this is according to the head of Paramount. He goes on to say, I know it's easy to put a lens on it and say something went wrong, but I almost think he needed to do it in that way and surprise all of us because he was probably there a couple times before and didn't get across the line. Plus, anyone who spent time with Trevor knows he's a man of the world. He loves new. He loves to be on the road and long term. A daily show four days a week, 40 weeks out of the year probably wasn't going to last. It's a good run, though. Seven years? I think four was the most I ever made it with the same job. So seven years sounds impressive to me. 
The weird thing, though, is like he signed a contract in the summer that extended his contract for another two years. I'm like, why you sign it if you knew you was leaving? I guess he hadn't committed to the idea just yet. They asked Trevor what he's going to do next. And he said, I miss knowing where my favorite restaurant is in London. I miss knowing my favorite sandwich shop in Frankfurt, Germany. I miss knowing a great bar to go and watch a sports match in India. Uh, I get it. They said also that Noah insists he's willing to try almost anything. Although he's most comfortable with voiceover work and writing screenplays. He says, I'd love to make great movies and I'd love to act in some of them. Hmm. I can see that. Comedians tend to make very good actors. I'm thinking Tom Hanks or Whoopi Goldberg. Or fuck around and find out Kevin Hart. The two dramas that he was in. Remember he played the dad to Maddie. Her mom had died. The single father. He was really good in that. And in that movie with Wesley Snipes. I mean, he's holding his own with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is a hell of an actor. Hmm. They asked him about his dating life. He wouldn't get no answers. This article goes on to talk about who's next at The Daily Show. They have no clue. Trevor's out on the 8th. The show is going to go dark until the new year. And they're probably going to have a round of hosts until they find someone permanent. I thought it was interesting. I didn't know this about Trevor Noah. I knew he didn't have a lot of experience on The Daily Show before he landed the gig from Jon Stewart. He'd only been on the show as a correspondent three times and landed the Comedy Central job. I was like, really? He did a damn good job. I will miss him. I will miss him lots. I saw this really cute clip that was circulating. Jonathan Majors. Fine-ass Jonathan Majors with the nose. I'm obsessed with his nose and his abs. I mean, just kind of physically all of him. He's like physical perfection to me. But Jonathan Majors was on The Daily Show recently. But he brought flowers. He brought flowers. Trevor Noah cut him off in excitement. It wasn't intentional. Jonathan was saying to him, he was like, oh, you know, I brought you flowers and they're South African. And he was like, they are. And I was like, South African what? South African roses, South African peonies, like South African what? I got to go look up the flower to see what it was because they were beautiful. They were a beautiful bunch of flowers. Whoever picked them out did good. But Trevor was like, am I, am I holding these flowers for you? Like, or what you? he was like, no, I, I brought you flowers. They're for you. He's like, for the culture. And Trevor was, he seemed genuinely touched. And he was like, these are for me. And he was like, those are your flowers, B. <laughs> I love black people. It was a really cute moment. Jonathan Majors don't show up nowhere empty-handed. We talked last week. He showed up to Jenny's show with some popcorn. And she acted a full-out fool over him. And I was like, yes, Jenny, you are me and I am you. Trevor Noah's had a lot of like cute man bonding moments. There was also this clip with like him and meth. I was distracted by Method Man because you know how I feel about Clifford. His wife really should shank me. And I can't be mad. It's, and not just me. It's a whole lot of people that rightfully deserve to be shanked by Method Man's wife. We be so disrespectful to that lady. He talking about her husband. I feel bad sometimes. And I still be lusting after her husband. I'm just looking. I'm just looking in, in my head. No, no touching. I swear. I wouldn't even try it. I would just, I would probably just stand there. Yeah, I talk so much shit. I would probably just be like, oh, oh, oh my God, hi. I be so nervous and awkward sometimes. Ugh. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. 
I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I guess we need to talk about this. Letitia Wright, the Hollywood reporter, which full disclosure, I write for. My feature on Damson Idris ran in the Hollywood reporter. So the Hollywood Reporter wrote this piece and it's titled How the Personal Baggage Will Impact Oscar Chances. And it says three acting contenders, Will Smith, Brad Pitt and Letitia Wright, bring varying degrees of personal controversy to the campaign trail. Just reading the title in the deck, I was like, how did Letitia Wright get mixed in with Will Smith? who slapped somebody on stage at the Oscars and Brad Pitt, who's accused of domestic violence and Letitia Wright, who I had to remember, I was like, what is Letitia Wright's big controversy? Like, what does she do? I had to really think about it. And it's because honestly, she ain't done nothing recently. And she hasn't done anything that that is worthy of mentioning her in the same context with Will Smith and Brad Pitt. The other part of this is Letitia Wright did fine in Wakanda forever, but was it Oscar worthy? I I didn't think so. Also haven't seen the movie in English. Nothing that I saw on screen with her made me think Oscar? Angela Bassett, perhaps. Like there was the moments that even in French and not being able to understand what she was saying, the impact hit. Letitia Wright? Again, fine actress, definitely has Oscar potential within her. Chadwick Boseman wasn't even nominated for an Oscar for the original Black Panther. And and you think Letitia Wright is getting one? Like, I don't even understand how she ended up in this conversation. 
as a sometimes working journalist, this strikes me as somebody wanting to write a trend piece. And for in order for something to be considered a trend, it needs to have at least three examples. And so for this one, you've got Will Smith and Emancipation, which people are saying is Oscar worthy. And just from the trailer that we've seen, it very much looks like it could be. Will Smith slapped Chris Rock on the Oscar stage. He's actually banned from the Oscars for 10 years. Seeing as how he actually disrupted the Oscars telecast by assaulting someone, I can see how even if he's making a great film, it could be, you know, a little challenging to nominate him, much more vote for him if he is nominated, because again, assaulted someone on live TV. Brad Pitt, I don't even know what movie Brad Pitt is in. Hold on, let me look at this. I did read the article. I just don't remember the name of the movie. Brad Pitt has a movie coming out on December 23rd called Babylon. He also (laughs) has been accused by his ex-wife in legal papers of physically assaulting her and two of their children in 2016 while on a private flight from France to California. And then they go on to talk about Letitia Wright. And their example is she retweeted an anti-vax conspiracy video in December 2020. An assault on live television accused of assault, essentially, on a woman and two children and retweeted an anti-vax video are somehow in the same context. In Hollywood Reporter's defense, they note, quote, while hers, by whom they mean right, is far from the magnitude of baggage held by Smith or Pitt, she did endure a fair share of bad publicity. And then they talk about the retweeting and they talk about December 2020. I'm like, um, some shit that happened on national TV earlier this year, some legal papers that were filed on October 4th in Los Angeles and some shit that happened December, 2020 at the height of COVID. Yes. People being anti-vaxxers was very controversial. We outside again. I don't think anybody really cares who was anti-vax almost literally two years ago, December, 2020. We're, We're in November, 2022. Now this is a reach. I know you're trying to get your trend piece. I know I get it. I get it. But adding Letitia right in here, a reach. It's a reach. Then the article goes on to talk about this is not the first time this has been an issue. They talk about Roman Polanski and Woody Allen. Polanski pleaded guilty to the statutory rape of a 13-year-old girl. Allen was accused of child molestation. They talk about Mel Gibson, who went on an anti-Semitic rant. They talk about Casey Affleck, who settled lawsuits from two women who alleged that he sexually harassed them. They talk about Gary Oldman. I've never heard this man's name before. There were abuse accusations from his ex-wife. They talk about Kobe Bryant, who was charged with sexual assault in 2003. They note that the case was dropped and he and the accuser settled the lawsuit. They talk about some guy named Nick with a last name that I will butcher. He was the best picture and original screenplay winner for Green Book in 2019. 
And they talk about a tweet that he made that he'd seen Muslim Americans celebrating on September 11th. They talk about Nate Parker, who was charged with and acquitted of rape by a woman who later killed herself. They talk about Brian Singer, who was accused of sexually preying upon underage boys. How the fuck did Letitia Wright's name get inserted into this commentary? Like, it's bizarre. The Hollywood Reporter notes what she's done isn't like, you know, nearly on the level. And I was like, then why is she included in this article? The final paragraph of this Hollywood Reporter piece even says, as COVID has somewhat subsided, so too has the intensity of anger towards those who resisted or questioned safety measures. So she may face the least resistance, but she may also have the weakest case for a nomination anyway. You know, and I know Letitia Wright is not getting nominated for an Oscar for, for Black Panther. Now, the movie that she did when she's playing those twins, those creepy ass twins who only talk to each other in their hidden language. Now, that shit looked weird. And she looked like she did a really great job with that weird shit. You told me that was up for an Oscar nod. We could have a conversation. Black Panther, it's, it's highly unlikely. That and we're talking about something that happened two years ago, which the Hollywood Reporter acknowledges no one really cares about anymore. So why is she in this article? It's not controversy. This doesn't strike me as something that even if she was up for an Oscar, people would be like, remember two years ago when we all really cared about COVID that we really don't give a fuck about now? Remember when she retweeted something two years ago? Who cares? He's back in the NBA. Two years from now, no one will care. No one will care. As long as he don't, you know, continuously do stupid shit, which Kyrie, that screenshot of the video wasn't his first time at Stupid Shit Rodeo. We, we actually might be discussing Kyrie's most recent shit in two years. It'll just be on the list of examples with whatever crazy shit he's doing two years from now, unless he decides to walk a different path. Is it possible? Everything's possible. Is it likely? I don't know. So this article comes out. Letitia Wright gets wind of it. She was none too pleased about that article. Let me see if I can pull up the, because <laughs> it was real, keep my name out your mouth. She wrote on Instagram, quote, I had to unblock the Hollywood reporter just to post this. Scott Feinberg, he's the writer of the piece, and all at this publication, you're incredibly disrespectful. She continued, how dare you? You mentioned my name alongside men who have been accused of abuse and sexual misconduct. I've remained silent as the world told me to kill myself two years ago for a video I posted and apologized for. At this point, it's a personal vendetta towards me. I've done nothing wrong, but respectfully refuse to do interviews with this publication. Stop your nonsense. I apologize two years ago. Remain silent on the topic. Also, when I was talking about the, the Hollywood Reporter article, I skipped over an important part of the piece. So let me fill it in now. The Hollywood Reporter speculated that Letitia Wright had gone on set and was pushing anti-vax propaganda on the cast and crew. And Letitia addressed that as well in her response. She said, quote, you lied and said I continued talking about it with my cast and crew on my set. In all caps, she wrote, this was not true. Ask my producer and director. She continued, quote, the film was successful. Your agenda toward me is now even more clear. I won't remain silent. Stop your disgusting behavior. 
So the Hollywood Reporter did get wind of Letitia's post and the editor in chief of the Hollywood Reporter did respond. She said, quote, I sincerely appreciate, not apologize. I sincerely appreciate the feedback and dialogue surrounding this column. While the intent was not to equate Letitia Wright's situation with others mentioned in the article, and we underscored that in the story, which they did, we also understand that some saw this in a different way. We have featured Letitia on our cover and cited her great talent in reviews and look forward to continuing to chronicle her career. It's a nice statement. It is. They should have issued her an apology. Like I said, I mean, there's a timing issue and there's also just a severity issue. Like, I just don't understand. Like, even with the qualifiers that they use in the article, I don't understand why a two-year-old controversy about, again, something no one cares about now and about someone who's not even likely to be nominated for an Oscar was even included in this piece. That article never should have ran. Just really, it should have just been written about Will Smith. And as an aside, they could have mentioned Brad Pitt. They don't have a third to make it a trend. So just make it a piece about Will Smith because that's a, a valid conversation. Letitia Wright? Come on. Come on. Last but not least, I want to acknowledge the latest mass shootings, plural, one at Club Q, an LGBTQIA plus club in Colorado that left five dead and I have 12 injured. I think the number's higher than that, though. Tragedy. It's always a tragedy. And then I also want to acknowledge the people who were killed in Chesapeake, Virginia. There was a shooting at a Walmart. A manager went to a Walmart, shot it up, and one of the victims was a 16-year-old boy. Shameful shit. In the article that I was reading about Walmart, it noted that this is the third mass shooting in Virginia this month, month ain't even over yet. The article I was reading about Colorado, it noted that this is the 600th mass shooting in the United States in 2022. It's not going to be the last one. We got a whole month to go. I would guess it's probably at least two more mass shootings that make the national news. They're so common now that every mass shooting doesn't even make the news. I don't know what to say. I feel like I've talked about mass shootings because there are so many, 600. I say the same thing. Like I I. I I talk about the families of the victims, the PTSD of the people who were obviously injured, but the people who were just present and saw all those people murdered or, or injured. That's a lot. How many times are we going to send thoughts and prayers? How many times are we going to do mass funerals? Ban the fucking guns. Ban the fucking guns. Most other places, the population is not armed to the fucking hill. And you know what the result of that is? They don't have mass shootings. 600 in one year. Folks can't go to the club. Folks can't go to the mall. Folks can't go to the goddamn Walmart. They can't go to the post office. They can't go to the massage parlor. Where can you gather in America and not be worried about like someone shooting that shit up? It's beyond me. Yes, I know there's a constitutional right to, to bear arms, but we're just, we're mass murdering each other. My problems in Ghana are, are shit like delivery times on packages. Whether the restaurant has the entree that I want to eat, because Ghana is real good for, sorry, madam, we don't have. Um, th those are my issues in Ghana. It it's not a fear of getting shot because I went to a concert or I go had to go pick up some tampons and paper towels or because I went to the club. It's... I don't have anything else to say about that. 
And I really didn't want to talk about it today because, you know, it's after Thanksgiving. But I'm thankful to be alive because everybody didn't make it to today. That's a damn shame. That's the episode for this week. Sorry to leave on that note, but. Also, last but not least, I know I said we were done. We're not done. One more thing. Folks keep sending this to me and I have every intention to go. Chance the Rapper is putting on a festival in Ghana on January 6th. It's called the Black Star Line Festival. Black Star Line is the name of Marcus Garvey's ships. There was more than one. I told you I watched that documentary on Marcus Garvey and found out that he never made it to Africa. I always thought like the ships were taking people back to Africa and that like at least he sailed the ship to Africa. No, he never made it to Africa. He tried. I want to say to go to Liberia. And they were like, mm-mm, 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 turn that right around, go home. Watch a Marcus Garvey documentary. I was floored and fascinated because I was like, oh my God, where did I get this shit from? Have I been lied to or did I lie to myself? But this festival is happening. Erica Badu is performing and that's why I'm going. But the lineup includes obviously Chance the Rapper, Vic Mensa, Jeremiah. Remember I told you I was on the rooftop with some friends Sunday night and they were like views of the city. So we were talking about this festival. A friend was like, Jeremiah? Who the fuck is Jeremiah? And I was like, you know who Jeremiah is. And I was like, if we, I was like, you know who Jeremiah is. And I was like, the guy who can't sing. He has a terrible fucking voice. And I remember people were like, oh, it's terrible because of COVID. Because he performed the same verses that Omarion and Ray J and Mario were at. I was actually in the audience for that one. It was right up the street from my house. He sounded fucking awful. And people were like, oh, you know, he had COVID. That's why he sounded like that. Like his voice is still recovering. Like he was really, really sick, like in the hospital. It fucked up his voice. And I was like, no, 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 no. He couldn't sing before that. The song was catchy. I like the song. Don't get me wrong. But if you actually listen to the vocals, they're not, they not that strong to begin with. COVID made his voice worse, but it was already bad. I was like, how the hell did he end up on this lineup? He got to be good friends with Chance. But T-Pain... Toby manifest. So we're going through this lineup and a general consensus is who the fuck is this concert for? Is, is it for expats who are still hanging around after the holidays who haven't gone back home yet, who are waiting for the flight prices to drop, which they don't do, especially to get back to America until after the Martin Luther King holiday. Ask me how I know. I couldn't go home for MLK weekend. It was literally $2,500 more to change my flight. In addition to the flight that I had already paid for, because I had a round trip ticket when I came here. In addition to the flight that I already paid for, it was another $2,500. Go fuck yourselves. So I just waited and paid an extra $400. Not the point. The point is, I don't know if anybody in Ghana listens to any of these artists. They may show up because it's an affinity for American pop culture, but this isn't like, like Usher. Usher is universal. Chance the Rapper? I don't know. I, I go out in Ghana a lot. There's music everywhere. None of the people I listed get played on the radio here. On the stations that play American music is mostly old shit. Culturally, there is a deep obsession with dreams and nightmares by Meek Mill. Put that on at any time, people will go crazy. Outcast. They ain't put out an album in forever. You'll hear Outcast on the radio here. But like older stuff, I mean like 2010 and before. T-Pain might be the most popular person on this list. And I probably only heard him twice. I haven't heard one song from any of these people at a club, radio station, a lounge, background music, a cover song when there's a band, when there's live music, not nary a one. So this will be interesting. I'm going to go, like I said, because I want to see Erica Badu. 
I also kind of think I might want to see T-Pain too, but more so Badu. Thank you for everyone who sent it. I have to say this so y'all can stop sending it. I've received this like a hundred times. Thank you though. I know it comes from a good and beautiful place. I greatly appreciate you. Crazy shit used to happen. I'd be like, why come nobody told me? And they'd be like, we thought you knew. You covered TV, how you didn't know about it. And I'm like, nobody told me. And they were like, well, we just thought. So then y'all started telling me shit. I'd rather you tell me too many times than nobody tell me and I miss out on some shit. Okay, now we're done. We'll be back next week, Tuesday. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. All right, talk soon. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.